0: You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning. It's good to be back with you. Uh, Grab your Bibles and turn them to Revelation chapter 2. We are, are going to begin a new series today that's actually going to s- uh, span the next seven weeks. Everybody say that's long? Uh, we're going to go through the uh, chapters two and chapters three of Revelation, and it's, it's going to be titled "The Letters to the Church." In those two chapters, uh, there are seven letters written to seven different churches. And uh, we're going to spend the next seven weeks investigating what Jesus said to these seven churches. And it wasn't just things that could be utilized for that period of time only, but they're areas that we can learn from today as believers. And this may be the first time some of you have even read the book of Revelation. Come on, anybody, who here has never read the book of Revelation before that's bold enough to just raise your hand? It's been a while. You, and we're not going to be talking about eschatology uh, right now or the next seven weeks hallelujah we're not going to be going into what the end times belief is which if you're wondering what our eschatology end times belief is as the promised church it can be summed up into two phrases jesus wins and the devil loses that's all you need to know that's all that matters uh, personally i'm not really into what the, happens at the end times because all that matters is how i live today and that will take care of itself. And if you've read the end of the book, you know that we win because he wins. And so we got nothing to worry about. We just got to continue to follow Jesus. Amen. The, Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation is not about revealing the devil. It's about revealing Jesus. It's about re- revealing the, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, who's coming back for a spotless bride, which is you and me and the body of Christ. And so when we look at Revelations, this isn't isn't a book for us to be intimidated by or concerned about or uh, even uh, confused as far as what does it actually mean. What it means is this, is that at a certain point in time, which nobody knows, Jesus is coming back. He's going to take all of us with him for the rest of our lives, for the rest of eternity. We're going to spend the rest of eternity with him. And the devil, who has already been defeated, will continue to stay defeated. But know this, that when he comes back, the devil at that point is not defeated, he is defeated today. When Jesus returns, he is not at that point defeating the devil, he is defeated today. I don't know if y'all are hearing me. The devil is defeated today, he doesn't rule on this world, on this planet as a victor. He is thrown to the earth, and this is the place where he's residing until he spends the rest of his life in hell. And you and I get a stomp on his feet, well, and his head, every day of our lives. Amen? Amen. So, Revelations chapter 2, you should be there by now. Revelations chapter 2, verse 1, is written to the church of Ephesus, and it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Everybody say, that's a big hand. And walks among the seven golden lampstands. I think whoever wrote it, he's got the whole world in his hands, was a believer. I don't know who wrote that song. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. Now, remember, this is written to a church. This is written to believers. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You know, if I just say it really fast, you don't worry about my pronunciation of the word. See, just like say it super quick. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Can somebody say amen? So each, each week, we're going to be looking at a different letter today. The subtitle of today is called First Love Fire. Turn to your neighbor and say First Love Fire. Fire. First love fire. Can you remember a time when you started something and at the beginning of it you were like super energized and excited to be doing it? Like like the first time you started your job or career that you're in today, like when you started it at that time, it was like a godsend. Like answer to prayer, I got the job I always wanted. By now, you hate your job. You're like, I just wish I could be on vacation for the rest of my life. Like, or the, the time when you get like the new pair of shoes, like a white pair of shoes in October, in Washington, and you're like, these are my fresh kicks, like nobody walked near me. Like don't even, like my kids now know when they get new shoes, you don't wear those new shoes out in the mud, you wear your boots. Like you treat those new shoes really good, but after a while they become your regular shoes. They're just your normal shoes. Or like my, my family, we just got a new car. Well, it's a used car, but it's a new car to us, and when we first got that car, it was like, children, don't breathe. (laughs) Don't sneeze. Don't cough. Don't eat in this car. This car is a sanctuary of peace. (laughs) Like, you treat it as if it's, like, it's priceless. And then after a while, it's like the normal car, and it's like, hey, just don't make too much of a mess. Like, after a while it just becomes the norm and the normal car and the normal shoes and the normal job. A couple of years ago there was a story of a uh, NFL player, uh, if you don't know it's football and um, I felt like I had to clarify. I don't know why but I just felt like I needed to clarify that. If you didn't know, welcome to America. And uh, he was a defensive player. He had been playing for about 10 years. He was a pro bowler which means he was really really good. And um, he had just been injured the year before, went to a different team, and uh, he was, the, I think, the second game of the season. He's playing end of the first quarter. He's in the second quarter. He comes off the field. He stands on the sidelines, and he realized, I just don't like playing football anymore. And so he literally left the sidelines, walked to the locker room, took his helmet off, took a shower, went home, and watched the second half from his living room. Like... This is a guy who's played football his entire life. It's all he's ever wanted to do. Now you and I may look at that and be like, bro, you're a quitter. Like, how dare you? But think about it for a moment. This is all he has known. This is all he's wanted to do his entire life. And all of a sudden he realized, I've lost the joy of the game. I don't love playing anymore. It's just a job. It's just a duty. And I don't want to do this in my body. I don't, I don't care about playing anymore. And. Oftentimes this is what many believers can be like in our relationship with the Lord. When we first start do you remember what it was like when you first met Jesus. Oh my gosh it was like all I could do was just want to spend time with him. That's all I cared about. And then after a while it became normal. It became part of my life, and it became a duty, and it became routine, and this is what this story, this letter to Ephesus is about, and Jesus actually starts this by encouraging them. He's like, hey guys, great job. Let's read it again in verse, in verse three. It says, I know your deeds, in verse two, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. Great job. You guys are doing amazing, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. If you want to know how to test people who claim to be apostles, use the Bible, If it doesn't line up with the word they are false we've got we've got a key and it's the word of god amen you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary like this is what all of us want to hear like if you had a job performance interview And this was said about you. You would feel really good. Like, great job. You've been a hard worker. You've done amazing. You've persevered through hardships. You've tested those outside salespeople, And you knew they were giving you false information. Like, you've done, even when it got hard, you didn't quit. You didn't give up. You didn't even look tired. Like, this is what all of us would want to hear. Like, I remember when I was young, before I really had a strong relationship with the Lord, which was, Not too long ago, I'm not that old. I'm only 31. A lot of people when we were traveling thought my wife was 12. We had to prove to them with pictures that we had three children because for some reason she looks younger as she gets older and I look older with gray hair. I don't remember where I was going with that. But I remember when I was younger and I I didn't really have a great relationship with the Lord but I knew like the Christian things to do. Like everybody know the list? Does everybody have their own Christian list? Like read a Proverbs a day because there's 31 Proverbs. That's what good Christians do. Pray before every meal. Like if you don't pray, God can't bless your meal. So you better pray. Don't cuss. Don't drink alcohol. Don't watch Rated R. Like I knew the list. When I was 15, 16, like I had the list down. Like you you couldn't entice me enough to break the list whatever the list was whatever your list was i knew the list better than you knew your list like i worked hard i persevered because i knew that at the end of the day i was going to give an account for my life you all know that at the end of the day you're going to stand before the judge like we love to paint jesus as as the, as the friend and the lover and he is but at the also he is the judge And at the end of your life, you will sit before the great judge and you will give an account for every decision, for every word, for every thought. Think about that. Every thought you will give an account for. Everything you say, every decision you make, you will give an account for at the end of your life. Let the fear of the Lord come into your mind right now. Everything that you do, you will give an account for at the end of your life. And so, this is why many believers, like we've got the list like don't do anything wrong be perfect and what that often does is it causes us to make the christian walk the faith the relationship with the lord built upon being a good person work hard persevere don't quit right you awake anybody worked on the list lately y'all lying y'all lying we all been working on the list Right? The last time you want you're like, no, I, I better not. I can't do that. I'm going to give an account. Like, we, we have the list. We work really hard to make sure we do a, a good job. And I love what, what he says in this when he's talking to me. He says, you persevered. Go back to verse 3. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Anybody here ever going through a hardship before, a challenge? If you aren't raising your hand, you're lying again we've all gone through them every single one of us and he says to them you've gone through challenges but you have not grown weary weariness is this being excessively tired when you went through your hardship last how did you look when when it felt impossible and you were in a storm what did your face look like You ever meet somebody who's like oh man they're down in the dumps and then they tell you they're a christian you want to slap them in the face but where's the joy of the lord In, in the old testament god told the levitical priests when they were in the presence of god they could not wear wool they could not wear certain garments because they were not to perspire or sweat in the presence of god they were not to sweat in the presence of god they had to wear certain garments so that they wouldn't sweat Because in the presence of God, there is no striving. In the presence of God, there is no striving. There is no sweating. There is rest. Right? So if you have burdens and you are weary, what does the Scripture say? It says, come to me, all who have burdens and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. Which means you're never going to experience challenges again. No, you will. But you don't have to be weary So he's saying you will continue to go through challenges but fear not because when you're with me there is no weariness. Which means this, if you are going through a challenge, you're going through an issue and you are weary, you're probably out of position. You're not where you need to be because if you are in the presence of the Lord, there is no weariness. I don't know if you all are hearing me this morning. This is really good. If you are, and you might say, well, that's great, Pastor, but that just preaches well. It's not real. I've lived it. My wife and I, a couple years ago, we lost our son. He was stillborn. The worst season of our lives. Uh, One of the most challenging seasons of a marriage that you could face. And we felt joy. You want to know why? Because we worship the King. You want to know why? Because we're in the presence of the Lord. I've lived this. I've gone through it. I've faced obstacles and I haven't been weary. Why? Because I have stayed in position. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, good job, church of Ephesus. You've gone through challenges and you haven't gone weary. You haven't become weary. I want to tell you today, church, that you can go through problems. You can go through obstacles. Your your marriage can be in difficult situation. Your children can be in a difficult situation. Your finances, your relationships, everything could be in turmoil and you can still not be weary. What was Jesus doing in the boat with the storm? He was sleeping. He was sleeping. We need to become more like him and realize when the storm is around, we don't need to worry. Why? Because he is with us. We don't need to show excessive tiredness. Amen. You hearing me? Verse 4, it says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken that first love. My wife and I, we just celebrated 10 years. Hallelujah, she stuck with me for 10 years. And I remember uh, when we first started dating, it was magical. We would, remember those Razor phones? Like, you were cool when you had a Razor phone? and uh I, I knew how to like position it perfectly on my pillow and we would like talk for hours like i just lay in bed she'd like fall i probably did most of the talking y'all don't believe me but i talked her ear off when we were dating like i'm not a big surface guy like i don't want to talk about the latest quads or trucks or boats or whatever like i love deep conversations and we went Deep conversations for the whole length of dating. We would literally stay in my, par- my parents' driveway for hours just talking in our car. Like, when we were dating, all we wanted to do was to just be with each other. It's all we cared about. We could not wait to show our friends each other. We could not wait to introduce. I couldn't wait to introduce Tash to my friends. By the way, her name is Natasha. If you didn't know, I've made a commitment Now that we've been married for 10 years, I feel like I can call her by her real name. It's Natasha. It's not Tash. It's not Tasha or Ta. It's Natasha. (laughs) Anyways, so while we were dating, all we wanted to do was to just be with each other. It was everything. There were times when we would like get in a little tiff. And it was like your heart was ripped out like, oh, oh no, Like, I've I've hurt her. And it was like, you come groveling. Y'all remember that? All you married people, can you remember back to those days when you were dating where it was like everything was about just coming and being with her and spending time? And we'd talk for hours and and it was, don't, like, I didn't care if you invited me to do anything else. It was a no. Like, if she wasn't going to be there, I didn't want to do it. Like, y'all remember what it was like when you first met Jesus? Do you remember what that moment was like? Maybe it wasn't just one moment. Maybe it was many moments. And you just, all you cared about was just being with him. All you wanted to do was just to read the word, just to spend time, just to worship. Do you, can you remember back? I, for me, like, there's, there's been multiple seasons in my life. I remember as a late teenager, like, we literally came to the church every night for two years and worshiped. Every night. Like it didn't matter what was going on, didn't matter what sporting event was happening, didn't matter what we were doing. We came to the church to worship the Lord for 2 years. Like youth and young adults, think about that. Like all we did was just worship the Lord every night. We'd come. We didn't care if there was 2 people here or 20 people here. We just worshiped Jesus cuz all we wanted was him. But can you remember a time where nothing else mattered? Where when you actually met him, you wanted to tell people about him. Do you remember that time? Can you think back and recall when you actually wanted to tell everybody about your relationship with the Lord? That first love, that first moment where your heart was energized and sparked and you said, this is all I desire is simply to be with Jesus. That was it. I wrote down a couple of things here to maybe describe to you what it looks like at that point of first love. Because Jesus is saying to this church, he's saying, you've done amazing. Amazing. I'm saying to you this morning, you've done awesome. You have done so good. You've worked so hard to be a good Christian. You've done the right things. You've read the Bible. You've tithe. You've come to church. You've, you haven't said bad words. You haven't watched bad movies. I'm so proud of you. You haven't quit. You still have your faith. I'm so proud of you. But you've lost your first love. You've lost the love that you had for the Lord at first. Notice he describes a kind of love. He's not talking about just love. He's talking about a certain kind of love where when you had it, nothing else mattered. Can you remember what that was like? I'll be honest with you. I remember what it was like, which means I might not be living in it today. That most of us, if we're being honest, the place of that first love with the Lord, we have been, we've created distance. And that's why he says, Can you remember back? Remember what it was like. Here's what what some of these descriptions of that first love is, is. Your dreams for your life are impossible. When you have a first love fire with the Lord, when you're back at the beginning, the dreams for your life are impossible again. Let me say it again. You may work a job that pays the bills and you love it. You may have the family and everything figured out and your life is in order. But if your dreams are not impossible again, you have been removed from that first love place for too long. Because when you are connected with the Lord at the beginning again, your faith is on a whole new level and you realize that anything is possible with Jesus. And so you begin to dream bigger and broader and farther and wider than you ever could before because you're with Him. So, if your dreams for your life are not impossible anymore, you might just not be in that place of first love. Because when you're with Him, everything is possible. If the dreams for your life are possible, you are not dreaming big enough. If the dreams for your life include just getting out of debt, paying your bills on time, and raising good kids, your dreams are not big enough. Those are great, those are amazing. Nothing wrong with them. But when you're with the Lord at that place, at that that secret place where, where nothing else matters and all that you want is just him, your dreams are impossible again because you're with the Lord. Previous distractions are no longer difficult to resist. Your appetite to be with Jesus is stronger than your appetite for anything else. And anything that distracts you, you remove. When I was with my wife and we were dating, nothing else mattered. Nothing else. Remember. You Remember that point where nothing else mattered. When we came to the church every day for two years and worshiped the Lord, nothing else mattered. I didn't care if there was a good movie coming out. We were worshiping Jesus. Nothing mattered. Purity and holiness are not something you strive for. You live from it. And to go along with that, sin repulses you. That first love, Sin. You have a distaste for. Reading your Bible and spending time is never the same. When you spend time with the Lord every day, it never looks the same. If if my wife and I, for the last 10 years, had the same conversation every day, ate the same meal every day, woke up at the same time every day, said the same things to each other every day, drove the same places every day, we would not be married today. A relationship does not look like a routine. It does not look like a schedule where everything is the same over and over and over. It is fresh. It is new. Some of you need to apply that to your marriage. If your marriage looks the same way today as it did two years ago, you should probably reignite it. There should be spontaneity. There should be fun. There should be uh, randomness to it. Because that's what you do in a relationship. Remember back when you were dating, there was the randomness. There was the spontaneity. There was the creativity. Your relationship with the Lord should be the same. Another thing, the first love is you can't keep quiet about your faith. When a couple years ago, remember I was reading the word and praying, and the Lord came and he slapped me upside the head. Anybody thankful for the times where Jesus slaps you upside the head? They praise God. And he slapped me upside the head, and, and he basically was like, Aaron, I've shared this before, Aaron, you, you've started prostituting me. Where you've made me simply someone to meet your needs. You don't care about knowing me, I'm just here to meet your needs. You're prostituting Jesus. And many of us have created that lifestyle where it's simply about, God, what can I get when I pray It's about him answering my needs. When I worship, it's about making me feel better. When I come to church, it's so that I can receive. When I give money, it's so that he can give me something back. Everything is about what can I get and it's never about him. That is a great indication that you've lost that first love fire with Jesus. David describes this so well in Psalm 63. If you want to know what it looks like to just only want Jesus, it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, imagine that. That's what it looks like. Without Jesus, I'm like a desert with no water. I'm screaming and desperate for just a drop of water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, where nothing else matters but simply Jesus. And I'll tell you, if you have lost that first love, it's really easy for no one else to know. Because you're just like the church of Ephesus. You've worked hard. You've done good. You've persevered. You're doing awesome. So proud of you. And from the outside, It looks like you're doing amazing. It looks like there's nothing wrong with you. But on the inside, it's become a routine. It's become a religious experience. And it was never designed to become familiar. It was never designed to be the status quo. It was designed to awaken you in the morning. It was designed for you to dream about it. It was designed for you to never stop thinking about it. That he wants to arrest your heart where all you want, all you can think about is just him. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning where everything matters matters? If he's with it, nothing matters if he's not. Oftentimes, what we do is we try to make room for the Lord. As Jeremy said before, we try to make room for God. You can't make room for him. He is the whole room. He is it. Here's some ways for you to reignite that first love fire in you again. Stop complicating it. Stop complicating it. I'm going to speak in theory form and then I'm going to give you practical. Stop complicating it. Stop trying to fit God in. Stop trying to fit him in. You can't fit him into your life. He's too big. He holds the seven stars in one hand, dude. You can't fit him into your life. It's time to take your life and just run to him. He can't take a corner. Let him be your first, your middle, your last, your in between, your everything. Go back to the beginning where it was all about him. Cancel things. Delete things. Remove things. There's many sitting here today who you've already started doing that. You've started canceling things. You've started removing things. You've changed your life. You've reprioritized. And that's great. But it doesn't stop there. The next thing is repent. Verse 5 in Revelation 2. It says, consider how far you have fallen. Remember. So consider Remember where you once were. Now repent and do the things you did at first. I'm an analytical guy. I don't know if anybody else in this room is. And like I'm I overthink things. And so I'm like, well, I'm not gonna do things I did at the beginning because it'd be kind of fake. So I'm gonna do it my own way. And it's like, no, do the things you did at first. Do the things that started it for you. Go back to the beginning where it was all about him and nothing else. But don't try to reinvent the wheel. Go back to the beginning and start there. If you do not repent, listen, if you do not find that first love, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from his place. But God, I've worked hard. But God, I've persevered. I haven't quit. I haven't walked away. And he's saying, if you do not repent and go back to the first love, he will remove the lampstand from its place. He will remove the presence of the Lord from where you are. If you do not go back to the first love, you could have worked hard your whole life. This could be your 50th year as a Christian. And he's saying, if you do not go back to the first love, he will remove himself from where you are. There is something unique about that first love. Something powerful about that first love. Now I gave you the, 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 in theory I want to give you some practical. How do I get back to that first love? If the only time you worship and gather together with other believers is a Sunday morning, you are not in your first love. I'm not posing that as a possibility. I'm giving you probably as a fact. If the only time you are pursuing the Lord with other believers is a Sunday morning you've probably lost your first love. Well what else is there? Well you have a home. You could do it at a home with other people. There's small groups. There's Friday night worships. There's calling somebody up and saying hey let's get together and and pursue the Lord. I know for myself, those times where I've been at that place where it was all about him and nothing else mattered, I didn't care if 20 people said no to me. I was going to find someone to pursue the Lord with me. I want to run with somebody. I didn't want to run by myself because I began to realize how amazing it was, and I wouldn't want to experience it alone. Somebody's got to experience it with me. And if you're only doing it by yourself or only doing it on a Sunday morning, I'm telling you, you've probably lost that first love. You've lost it. You need to begin to prioritize outside of Sunday morning times to pursue the Lord with other believers, which means this. If you're not in a small group, you should sign up today. If you're not in a small group, you should sign up today. If you don't come on Friday nights, we have Friday night worship. This coming Friday night, first Friday night of every month. If you don't come, I'm telling you, you might be missing something. Come this Friday. I'm not leveraging you or manipulating you. I'm telling you, when you have that first love with the Lord, this is often what it looks like. If you're not a young adult, come to young adults. If you're not a youth, come on Wednesday nights. Get hungry, get desperate. Spend alone time with the Lord. If you could put up that list real quick. I wanted to, if, if I don't have time, just go through the whole list and take a picture of it with your phone. Or stay second service and you can write it down. Don't get sucked into social media before you spend time with If you want to know how to spend time with the Lord, this is your steps. Don't get sucked into social media before you spend time with the Lord. Don't do it. Don't trade off reading a book for time with God. How easy it is to just think I spent time with the Lord because I read a great book. Don't allow the music to distract. Don't sit down without a pen and paper. Don't do it. Because when you do it, you're basically assuming you're not going to hear anything. I go in expecting. I'm going to hear something. Because I have a relationship and it's a conversation. Don't just read the Bible. Mix prayer and singing. Don't do all of the talking. Listen to His voice. These are ways for your alone time with the Lord To not become a routine, to not become just a familiar exercise, but to be fresh and alive every day. My time with God never looks the same day after day after day. It's always different. I don't know what it's going to look like. I kind of start off and I'm like, what do I, what are we going to do today? I don't know. That's what's exciting about it. Romans 14, verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Here's how you ignite that first fire again. Righteousness. You remove sin from your life. When it was talking about repent in Revelations 2, this is that moment. When you come and you put yourself on the altar and say, Lord, I may have lived a good life. I've done good things and I've followed the traditions. But my heart has been A little distracted lately and when it becomes distracted sin has a way of creeping in and you begin to reason away decisions I'm not looking at pornography but I'm lusting I'm tithing but I'm not stewarding we reason away we do just enough to where we feel like we're good like we don't have to come forward for that altar call but our life is not fully devoted first love is this, is where everything is His. Every thought, every word, every dollar, it's all His. Holy Spirit, for the kingdom of God, put that back up again, Is not a matter of eating and drinking, it's not a matter of what you do, it's righteousness, peace, and joy, which we love the peace and the joy in the Holy Spirit, which means this, if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you cannot have the kingdom of God. If you do not have the Holy Spirit in you, it says it right here. The Kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. you got to have them. Well I don't believe in speaking in tongues. If you've relegated the Holy Spirit to speaking in tongues, you've missed the whole point. Oh it's but a fraction. The Holy Spirit is everything. You realize Jesus isn't even on earth anymore? He's not here. Did you know that? He's in heaven waiting to come. Read the rest of Revelation. You want to know who's here? The Holy Spirit. And He wants to live in you. And it's not a one-time encounter. It's all the time, every day, saying, Holy Spirit, come and move upon me. Last one is this. is Don't live on yesterday's encounters. Le- Leviticus 6. we have that? Leviticus 6, verse 10, 12, and 13. The priest shall then put on his linen linen clothes with linen undergarments next to his body and she'll remove the ashes. Notice, remove the ashes of the burnt offering. At this time there was a fire that never went out. Very relatable to us as believers. There's a fire in you that should never go out. And they, these priests, their, their purpose was to make sure that fire never went out. And this is what they did. They were to remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire had consumed from yesterday and place them beside the altar. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out, and every morning, every morning, every morning, every day, without exception, you are to add firewood, firewood, and arrange the burnt offering on the fire. What is that offering? It is you. And burn the fat of the fellowship offering on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously, and it must never go out. Would you stand with me. If you want that first love fire in you, you must remove the ashes of your life. Maybe your ashes were yesterday's, maybe they were last year's, maybe they've been there for 50 years and you've been to church for your entire life, but it's time to remove those ashes and to have the fresh fire of God fall upon you. I believe that today. and. I'm going to make an assumption, but I believe that a majority of people in this room have probably removed themselves from that first love fire with the Lord. Why do I say that? Because it's very normal and very common. And I've experienced this many times in my life where I've realized I've lost that first love fire and I feel like the Lord is inviting us as a church to say, I don't care that you've worked hard. I don't care that you've performed well. I don't care that you've persevered well. Stop. If you've lost that first love, if you've lost it, And you don't go back to it. I will remove myself from where you are. That first love fire where nothing else matters but Him and this morning i believe that god wants to come and encounter you and to reignite a fire inside of your heart where maybe you've been in a place where you've become familiar with the lord if it doesn't excite you to spend time with him if you don't get woken up before your alarm to spend time with jesus your fire may be burnt out if you can't think of any if you can think of things better than spending time with the lord your fire may be burnt out because nothing compares to my jesus Nothing compares to spending time with Him. If you are wondering when I'm going to get done with this message, you may have just lost your first love fire. I'm serious. I remember a time when I didn't want church to end. I remember that. I remember what it was like when I would be spending time with Jesus and I would just be enthralled with Him. It was all I wanted was just to stay there any distraction would frustrate me can you remember what it was like to just worship and to not think about anything else like you would get lost and all of a sudden it was 30 minutes and you were like where did the time go because you were just enthralled with the beauty of the King Today, if you're here and you you feel like God is is telling you, man, your fire is not where it needs to be. You've lost your first love. I want you to come forward. We're gonna begin to worship, and I believe that the power and fire of God is gonna begin to send on this room. And if you're gonna begin to be reignited, I'm telling you, if you are here and you're hesitating in your heart and saying, I don't know if I have it, I don't know if I feel comfortable about it, I'm telling you, you won't feel comfortable. The fire of God is not comfortable. It challenges you. It changes you. It corrects things. It removes things. It's not about coming forward to feel comfortable. It's about coming forward to say, God, I want to get to a place where nothing else matters, where I'm unashamed about you, where all I can think about is you. That's what my desire is for myself, and that's what our desire is for this church. That what was written to this church in Ephesus would never be written about the promised church. God let it never be written about this church. That God we will work hard and we will persevere but God we will never lose our wonder of who you are. We will never lose our awe of who you are. Just begin to lift your hands. And I want you to just begin to put your attention on him and I want you to begin to praise him in your own words. I don't want you for one second to think about what another person is thinking about you don't worry about what they're going to think about what's coming out of your mouth begin with your voice not quietly save your quiet prayers for when you're in your room alone and you don't want to wake up your wife let's pray loud prayers this morning from the depths of our soul that only are for jesus jesus come on all i desire is you father come And remove the ashes from my heart. Remove the ashes from yesterday. Remove the ashes and the scars. Come, Lord, reignite my heart today. Reignite my heart. Fresh fire from heaven. Fresh fire from heaven. Come on, every voice. Every voice. Every voice. Come on, begin to ask. I want the fire. I want the fire, God. Give me that fresh fire.